0: It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. As we broadcast around the world... Get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at seaboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at seaboc.com
1: welcome i'm dr jeremy lokebaugh industrial organizational psychology consultant and workplace communication and negotiation coach in addition to cbock.com that you just heard you can also visit my website at turnboot.com if you're in or getting into the io psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an io psych practitioner Check out CBOC's I.O. Career Pathfinder membership at cbox.com. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, everyone, and welcome to Work Cookie,
2: our weekly gathering for I.O.'s, HR recruiters, one actor, and all of those who like to help people in the world of business. Uh, Jeremy, we um, have an exciting uh, um, talk and discussion today. Uh, we're going to be talking about game changers in the field of industrial organizational psychology. But before we get into that, why don't you give us an update on what's happening with CBOC?
1: Yeah, so game changers. So there was a post on this, so we're going to have an exciting discussion today about that. And also, Megan. Megan's here. So Megan is going to be leading our IO IO Career Pathfinder member peer group that's going to meet regularly, and they're going to talk about action items, network, um, discuss challenges, stories, and maybe even warm action. Uh, Big clap for Megan, then I'm glad you're here for the announcement. Thank you, happy
3: to be here. Thank
1: you. So Patty, many of you know Dr. Patricia Delgado. She has a uh, research translator course coming out, and it's basically how do you become someone who can help make better evidence-based decisions in your workplace and also help others do the same. So when you're bringing ideas to the table, it's a skill that society is, is desperately asking for, and it can set you a, yourself apart from your peers. So there will be an email coming out shortly. Uh, if you're not on the CBAC email list, get on that list. And also you can go to Bridgeify to Brid- to Brid- to Brid- to Group, and you can search for that online, and you can learn more about that research translator course. There's a August cohort and a September cohort and is Patty here today? Do I see her on the screen? I do not see loud. her. No, she's not here. Uh, so, and there's two different levels too. So there's a basic, and there's also an advanced. So I want to make everyone aware of that because that is a a, a banger of a fantastic course. And getting right into it, yes. So game changers for the field of IO psychology. Uh, it, I, I guess let's start even in in the chat maybe people start to listen like what would be an actual game changer and where it's, it's really, it's, it's awesome. You know, I'm seeing all these posts, especially i am seeing a lot from, you know, from Seabock, from Brittany, from destiny and from a, a lot of the people that are here today. And I think it's starting to hit this tipping point. I I, I truly believe that in five, 10 years max, I mean, IO I, psychology is going to be a household name and Brendan made, I, I got to go back to what Brendan Gretsch said about, we need a movie with a, a really good actor because something, something, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, Tom. And I, we're going to probably talk about that today. So it, it's, it's, it, it's hitting a tipping point. And um, I, I saw a post, this is just interesting. I saw this just before I logged on today. Uh, Lubna Sharif, many of you know her, she, she made a post. So back in 1904, a gentleman by the last name of Brian or the first name of Brian it was supposed to be called individual organization organizational psychology but he made a typo and he didn't correct it and he put industrial so it just stayed I guess when he made this 1904 APA address so I saw this post by by Lubna and I you know I I've never heard that before so I thought that was pretty interesting because I because I was um I was thinking about that that just the other day uh Tom I'm going to turn it back over to you uh, well, thanks
2: very much, Jeremy. Uh, it's, you know, game changers is really kind of interesting because it's hard to see change when you're in the middle of it. But everything is changing. The way people work is changing. Uh, you know, I've had talks with um, people like, you know, investment people, accountants, who were talking about this is the biggest change since the industrial revolution. And it was starting to, I mean, it, it all of the changes that we saw with the lockdown, the move towards flexible, remote, hybrid work, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's been going on for you know, 20 to 30 years, but not to the extent that we're really seeing it now. And you know, I, I've heard discussion that we were always headed in this direction, but the pandemic and lockdown sort of sped things up over 10 years. So now we have all of these new paradigms of how work is being done. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting here going, I think now everybody needs an I.O. just to navigate these changes. So, you know, we might be talking about game changers in a game that's changing. So I would love to hear some of the experiences that people are, are, you know, having out there, what they're seeing. And, you know, if they have discovered something that is going to be a game changer, that's going to make things different the way that I.O.'s, HR and recruiters are working. So um, any advice on that, Jeremy, where we're going?
1: Uh, I think what everything you mentioned is very, very valid in terms of, of where it's going, and in terms of really events that have happened in the world and in society that are opening the eyes of organizational decision makers, saying this is what we need, and finally learning that here's here's who here's here's who offers it. It's kind of like uh, there's been this gap, and we've been here all along. And now people are starting to say, oh, well, there's, there's, there are, there's a specific field of study and there are people that are specifically trained in how to navigate the organizational challenges. And they've been being trained for the last 100 years. They've just been this kind of sleeping giant and giant is really the way to put it, especially now, you know, 20 years ago, there was no giant in IO psychology, 10 years ago, there was no giant in IO psychology. Now, there are so many people. I've been giving this number. I I went and typed in just organizational psychology and LinkedIn and clicked on people. And over half a million, and I, I remember I've been telling you guys, it's been 100,000, 200,000, half a million names came up that have IO psychology within their um, like their title or, or their like first description part. So it, it's really coming to a tipping point. Um, I posted a link in... The chat on, on a post that I made, and we can see some of the different things that were mentioned uh, in terms of what could actually be done. So hands raised if you have a comment. But I want let's let's start off with the, the real one. Tom, what would it take? Brendan Gresh said, a big Hollywood movie played by a well-known actor with a spruced-up story on the origins of I.O. And then Austin commented on that. Say, hey, I think Johnny Depp just leveled. But so what, what would that what would that what would that take? Oh,
2: it's totally feasible depends on how much money you have. Uh, you know, you would need a script writer and hopefully, you know, somebody even on the panel today would have an idea of what the story would be. And so we'd have to look at, you know, the plot of the story, how we build tension, how we, you know, raise the expectations to the climax. And then, you know, how it resolves itself. So there's lots of good script writers out there. You could probably even find one on, you know, Fiverr (laughs) or (laughs) program, you know, some platform like that. Uh, There's lots of script writers who are looking for an opportunity. Uh, Then you get into pre production. You've got to do all your, you know, casting. Who's going to play what role? Is Johnny Depp the right, you know, actor to play our lead character? Um, There may be some alternatives. And then you've got to check their availability. You've got to you know, deal with agents and managers. And that's all just before you get to the set. Uh, then you've got to you know, work with the technicians. You've got to find your director of photography. Uh, who's going to be editing the film? Because the editor really does put the story together. Then you've got to shoot the whole thing. Um, of course, then if you're shooting it, you know, where are you shooting it? What are the locations? Uh, so there's a lot of work <laughs> that goes into it. But is it doable? Yeah, it's totally doable. Um, think of the King's Speech. I always like to refer to the King's Speech because you know a lot of people will ask, "Well, you know, you're a voice and speech coach. Exactly, what do you do?" Well, if you've seen the King's Speech with the character Lionel Loges, who's you know the the coach for the King of England, that's the very early start of the work that you know that I'm doing today. Um, there's a direct line, you know, from me. Through the people I studied with, to a woman by the name of Kristen Linklater, who studied with um, Iris Warren, who actually was an associate of Lionel Lowe's. So, you know, all of those crazy exercises of rolling around on the floor or, you know, doing certain humming exercises and breathing exercises. uh, Yeah, I do all that stuff today. Uh, And so having a film like that that showed what an IO does and how they're helpful Especially if the IO saves the day,
1: you know that's the movie we want to see. So um, who would? So let's say so this this podcast, you know, the podcast they're evergreen. They maybe we can start to get, um, uh, you know, a, a library or book, black book. Who might be interested? So if somebody's listening and they have e- either they're interested in either doing something like this, funding what who do we who do we need and whoever that whoever tom's going to mention i'll turn it over to you contact me or tom or send an email hello at com. because hey sometimes a wild and crazy idea so tom who 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 would we want to contact us
2: um to, to make the movie
1: yeah to to get the ball rolling to, to make to make the movie what are the uh i think the very first
2: thing is we need to find a producer somebody who's you know done the journey before and has the connections that we'd be looking for. Uh, You know, I I wouldn't turn to Hollywood, (laughs) you know, because it's going to cost way too much money. Um, I would be looking for an independent producer. Uh, Once again, there's lots of them. You might want to, depending on the style, you know, that you're looking for for the film, you might want to look at some uh, documentary style producers or somebody who's sort of done a combination of both.
1: So there are some people mentioning in the chat, you know, other movies. Is there an option to squeeze in to maybe an upcoming movie that's more feasible? Like maybe that maybe producers get contacted with, hey, you could you could insert maybe someone, uh, an Io psychologist to this. Is there a way to connect, plant that seed? How would that work?
2: Yeah. I ever notice in a commercial when an actor picks up a beverage that has a sponsor's name on it. <laughs> So you could very easily, you know, find some movie that, you know, is in development and go, if we propose to you that there's a character in the film who's an IO, you know, what would it cost us? And of course, got you it. probably want some sort of love story, you know, because <laughs> right. that will attract a bigger audience.
1: Okay, well, we've got a seed here and I'll turn it back. I'll turn it back over to you, Tom. Well, hey, there's a lot of hands up.
2: Let's go to Linda Ann.
4: Oh, I was I was going to say, because I always look for a way to <clears throat> minimal effort on things. And, um, you know, whenever the different movies are being cast, they always have a career of some kind, right? And so it just could be that we ask whatever one of those characters be an IO or main character be an IO and, you know, happen to bring a company back from the brink of extinction, you know.
2: I think that's a great idea. Um,
4: <laughs> so, what, um,
2: what company What company would you like to see brought back from the verge of extinction?
4: Oh, whatever one they're working on, you know.
2: <laughs> It'd be kind of fun if it was Amazon. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Martha, no. let's go to you. No. No. <laughs> Dr. Martha, let's go to you.
5: What an interesting conversation <laughs> this is uh, getting to be. So, you know, one of the things that we talk about often is our... lack of branding, if you will. Uh, Too many people don't know what IO psychology is or that IO psychologists exist. And I think it's true in so many instances that organizational leaders don't even know that there's an option for a consultant that might be able to resolve a number of issues for them that can help them to work through things. So I think one of the biggest things that we seem to come back to over and over again is branding. And if we were to entertain this idea of a movie that could certainly help out with branding, Although I can't help but think about uh, the Hundred and One Dalmatians, how after that movie came out, everybody got a Dalmatian, whether or not they knew what to do with them. Uh, So I don't want to see any IOs being turned into pounds because you don't know what to do with them or how to take care of one. But (laughs) but I think a movie certainly would help out with our branding. The other thing that I wanted to comment on uh, what you said earlier, Tom. We had before the pandemic multiple organizations allowing people to telecommute as they were calling it back then. And not too long before the pandemic, some of those organizations started to reel that back in because there were supposedly some studies that people are less productive when working from home and this and that. But then they, then the pandemic came about and everybody, um, almost everybody was forced to work from home or not work. So as we're transitioning through all of these changes, there's no denying that there's so many changes that are happening right now. This is the prime time for IO psychologists to be most helpful to organizations. Uh, We've talked about the great resignation on a number of occasions here. And I believe that with so many changes, I think this is the case here. We're looking at the pendulum swinging from one extreme to the other. The the pre-pandemic extreme was people working themselves to death, sometimes literally. And now the great resignation is people are quitting in masses and I don't want to work and I don't want to, you know, I want to do my own thing or whatever it is. So I think that there will come some kind of... um. Um, self-correction where we went from one extreme now to the other, but there has to be some kind of um, settling place somewhere in between. And certainly IO psychologists could be a tremendous uh, resource for organizations. So if we could get ourselves be recognized as Uh, people who exist, options that exist to organizations, I think we could be tremendously helpful. And maybe it would take a movie.
2: Um, (laughs) Yes, movie. Um, Although, as you were talking, I'm going, "Mm, maybe more like a crime drama, maybe like a CSI (laughs) with IOs. Um, As you're talking about change, is part of the issue we're seeing right now, the fear of change or that change is difficult? because you know, I'm seeing a lot of people, You know, organizations want to move to something like the hybrid workforce, but it requires a manager to lead that change and they don't know how to lead people if they're working remotely. So is it that fear of change which is sort of holding back and causing things like the Great Resignation. Do you you think that's what's going on, Dr. Martha?
5: Well, I think there are several things that come into play here. First of all, on an individual level, some people are simply more open and more comfortable with change than others. But then when you consider making big changes within organizations, especially the bigger the organization, I think the more laborious the change will be. And sometimes that can get in the way. And other times the managers who are required to now do things differently, simply don't have the skills and whether the organization is not offering um, any options for them to up their skills or they're not being proactive and seeking out the skills on their own, right? We can't always expect the organization to provide all the education you will ever need. We are uh, grownups with jobs. We should be able to seek out our own improvements and uh, educational opportunities. So I think there's a number of things that comes into place.
6: All right. Uh, Brandon, let's go to you. So I was late to the party. I'm assuming this was my whole comment that I made on LinkedIn about the movie idea where it came up. So um, where I originally got that idea from was uh, the movie Moneyball, where once they started talking about data analytics on this large platform, now everyone does it in sports. So that's kind of where I saw that blow up. And I mean, it's happened all the time with other movies. I'm sure with Top Gun coming out, you've got, thousands of kids who now want to go to school to be a naval fighter pilot guaranteed because I have a friend and that's exactly why he went and did that because of the original movie. So um, I wrote down a couple things because I didn't want to lose my train of thought about a lot of what has already been talked about. Um, I think what we're doing as I.O. is that we're guilty of producing materials that are only for our own consumption as I.O.'s so in other words, drinking your own bathwater, because we're not, we're not producing things for the general public. We're producing things that is in circle and not getting out to the general public. So my ideas on that is we need to start getting newspaper articles in the New York Times and things along those, those lines where somebody in I.O. has written that article. It gives a lot of information on that and the exposure from that. Um, Beyond that, I know politically that there was a candidate running, um, I don't really want to get that far into it, but had a background in IO psychology and there was some exposure there. So again, getting more people IO psychology into politics, that would also take care of it. Again, we have those skills, although we might have too much integrity for that. That's a whole other topic of discussion. Um, And we have talked a lot about like what we can do with HR. I was at an HR conference last week. They had a very big pitch for one of the school's master's I, uh, in IO and PhD in IO um, uh, at this HR conference. And you could go talk about and learning about it because it could be a path that you go to. So, again, partnering with that and with the topic of change, this is uh, something that I always have with this this one of these great leaders that I work with currently, is we always talk about why are all these people crazy? no. We are the crazy ones. I promise you that. Because when you start to see it that way, then you'll understand. We want to go out and change things. Change is not normal. Everyone wants the, that's the way we've always done it. That's, they don't like change. So what we are the crazy ones. We have to accept that though. And once we start to realize that there is so much more that we can go on beyond that because we realize We are interfering with people's ideas of normalcy, and how do we go through and help them through this change management, change leadership, change communication, so this becomes more normal and they don't feel uncomfortable around us. So thank you for letting me take the time to say that. I I feel like that'll be helpful.
2: Uh, There's also a great freedom when you realize that you are crazy. You are different than everybody else, um, (laughs) and it just allows you to be your unique self. I'll leave to go to you.
7: You know, I I think uh, I think one thing we can take heart in is that that the process has started. Because I mean, you know, look at the number of people who are here today, and you know the fact that uh, you know the 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 podcast keeps getting put out on uh, LinkedIn, and there's new uh, groups being started. There's more posts being put out there. There's more people commenting on those posts. You know, the fact that, uh, what was it, uh, Jeremy said a while ago, about half a million people who actually put that in their headline now. I mean, you know, just that. I mean, how many IOs out there don't have it in their headline because nobody knows what it is? And now that people are getting comfortable enough to put that, it is helping to spread that awareness. Um, And I think one thing that could possibly help with a lot of this would be partnering. I mean, we've talked about partnering with uh, HR, you know, and that sort of thing. But I think we're, we're there's other things we can do is there as well because, I mean, talk about data analytics. I mean, data science is huge right now. Well, what did Ios, one of the things that I always do is analytics. So if you can start to make some of those partnerships happen and you start to, to, you know, broaden the number of people who actually have some idea that we are and that we're not all therapists and because I think that's one of the biggest things is that people hear psychology and they hear, you know, they expect you to lay on a couch and talk about your mother. And, you know, it's, we got to make that, you know, that sever that so that we can say, Hey, look, there's more to psychology than that. And, you know, if we can start to make those inroads into places, not just in HR, but into other aspects that we touch, I think that we could do some very powerful partnering. and, And I mean, right now, you know, as the saying goes, strike while the iron is hot, because I mean, I mean, 2020 flipped us all on our heads. And, you know, some of us have chosen to get better at handstands and others have just fallen. So, you know, now is the time for us to go, hey, I can help you with that. Well, let me
2: ask you, Lee, because there there are some industries who, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't want to embrace this change, but the lockdown came and they had to change. But, most of the, but there's there are some that found out that this is actually a better way for them to be doing business. Uh, it is saving them enormous amounts of money on things like real estate costs. Uh, do you think there are some key sectors that IOs should be looking at when it comes to targeting certain you know, elements or areas, niches of business that really need IO help now for transition? Ooh,
7: um you know, I think that anything right now, anything that can be done remotely would be a good place to, to work. I mean, tech sector, um, the, because that's really where our big our big hit was, right? Everybody had to, you know, I think it was it was Martha said, everybody had to either work from home or not work. Uh, so there's a lot of places. How do we do that? How do we do that better? How? We, I mean, we beat that horse to death on several of these podcasts how can we help you do this better? How can we help you to trust your people? How can we help you to lead your teams? So, I mean, that's a huge thing. Um, and, you know, Brittany just put in the, the thing, healthcare and manufacturing. Absolutely. And in and, and manufacturing, Heather, there's a key right there. There's, a, there's a, a sector of engineering called industrial engineering, and they look at process improvements and everything. That seems like it might be a good match for industrial psychology type people to get in there and help with Okay, you, you do the beeps and squeaks, and I'm doing the people, and we can figure out together how to make this all work better. Um, and healthcare, oh, good God, is there any place they could use some help? Uh, I mean, I, you know, my company was just talking about doing a, you know, so working with the VA. If there's anybody who needs help from people like IOs, it would be the VA. So, I mean, that, I, I can't even answer that question effectively, Tom, because it's just
6: too big.
2: Yeah, it's, well, it's nice to have a lot of choice. Uh, Brendan, let's go to you.
6: So obviously, now we are realistically in a recession, um, statistically, categorically speaking. So I'm going to start with, um, do not let a good crisis go to waste. So where are the key areas where we're going to see that hit? So we're going to probably see that hit big time in the real estate industry. So how can you partner again? And I don't think people realize how much partnership takes place in the real real estate industry. And, And when you put your IO hat on and start to look at those types of things, almost from like looking at an org chart sort of sense. Well, when you do real estate, Um, you got to get a home inspector. So home inspection is going to be in it. That industry is going to get impacted. Um, When you go, insurance industry is going to get impacted because people are probably not going to be going as much or or buying insurance, or maybe they're not going to be buying house insurance or buy renter's insurance. So you have to think about all these things that are related to these industries, because I think we get so short-sighted into, well, it only impacts this. But I mean, when we look at electric cars, all right, we have electric cars now. Cool. Now we need tires specifically for electric cars. So it's not just the main product. It's what's the auxiliary services that go into that main product as well. And that's where you can find your key areas where you can make impact as an I.O.
2: Great advice. Dr. Mark, let's go to you.
5: So to continue uh, on what Brandon's been saying, this is really an opportunity to become more proactive as IOs. Um, I think it's fair to say that between the lack of branding and just a different world a few years ago, we've been more reactive, dare I say, than anything else in our approach. And with change come opportunities. That much we know from history itself. So why not uh, be more proactive? And Brandon gave some excellent examples, as did Lee, Um, simply finding out where and how we can be helpful. And I think When we seek out those opportunities, um, not only will we be helping others, we'll be helping ourselves and the field to become more recognized. So I think opportunity knocks, and it knocks loudly when the changes are big, which is what is happening now.
2: Yeah, they certainly are. Uh, Renwick, I wouldn't mind going to you next, if you don't mind, because I'd love to hear your perspective on what are the target areas that IOs should be looking at as we move forward over the next few years.
8: Yeah, there, there's so much that goes on in my little head. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of people who are living in disrupt, what is a disruptive world for any number of reasons. You know, I trace my journey and I think that's usually a good place to start with myself, right? Um, whether it's the trauma, that i had in childhood or the trauma from immigration or the trauma from relocating most of us if not all of us have had some kinds of traumas that interfere with our effectiveness whether it's to trust a manager to trust a peer and i was just talking to a leader in a major company this morning and you know her question is how do how do I get my people to open up with me? I've got to do their reviews. Well, that's a long answer, right? It's what are their traumas? Yeah, you're personable, you know, you you present well, you're poised, you you obviously care. However, do they know how much you care? Are they are they comfortable with disclosing who they are? So, to answer your question, um I I see opportunities everywhere when we create a safe environment and it's every conversation with everyone everywhere, right? And and so, you know, I made made a couple of notes. Um, Who resists change? Who wants to eat the same thing every day? Nobody. Right? Even if we love it, you know it's a favorite food, yes, but at some point, whether it's a week or two weeks down the road, I had enough of it. Why? Be- because I want some variety. I want something interesting. I, I want to stretch my curiosity. Right? I want to experience something different. And in the context of work, I, I want less stress. I want more enjoyment. I want greater ease. I want to have something to celebrate at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month. So when you present me with opportunities to change, I'm saying time out, how do I get relief from it? How do I get to enjoy the journey? How do I get to celebrate at some point? Help me see that. Don't tell me about change because you know what? I've just just sorted through the last month of all the changes from a month ago, I'm now coasting. I'm in a comfortable place. Now you're asking me to be disrupted again? No, 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 no. I'm not signing up for that. What I am signing up for is something exciting, something appealing, something enjoyable, something that's gonna let me laugh and gaff with you and celebrate at the end of it. Last point here is selling, right? I see so many people who don't have skills, who don't have depth and substance, who got the doors knocked off, right? They they, they found a way to create this awe, this intrigue, and cause people to be curious and be willing to answer the phone or open the door when they show up. And then there are some of us, in fact, too many of us, who have this wealth of expertise that the world will benefit from. And yet we cannot get them to see how we can enhance their lives. Branding, yes, but a boldness, a brazenness, a craziness, right? To to cause people to stop and recognize that right there in that voice, behind that wall, behind that phone is somebody I ought to listen to.
0: You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. We'll be right back after this break.
8: Turnboot.
5: The name is not elegant, neither are the issues that organizations face. Led by a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, you can rest assured that the highest standards and latest in workplace and human behavior science will be used to get your organization results with a tailored plan specific to your workplace needs. Truly helping others, integrity, positive impact, and getting results. That's what we stand for. That's termbute Organizational Excellence.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast.
2: Dr. Martha, let's go to you.
5: So Renwick reminded us of a couple of very important things in terms of human psychology. We as individuals want both certainty and uncertainty, both to some degree. We all like a nice, safe surprise, but we don't want the uncertainty of not knowing where we're going to sleep tonight. There's a fine balance, right? We like new and exciting things, even though we have that favorite meal, maybe after a week of eating it, we're ready for something new. So that is a basic truth about humanity, And as we're looking at change and we're trying to get these big organizations to change, I think it's important to remember that the leaders of those organizations and the individuals who work within those organizations are not just a collective unit as an organization, but they're individuals. And each one of them has a certain propensity for safety and for adventure, for change and for leaving things as they are. So I think as IO psychologists, it's one of our um, responsibilities, I might even say, to be the psychologists that we are and interact with the leaders of an organization with the understanding that they want both certainty and uncertainty, as all human beings do, And of course, it will vary from one person to the next, how much uncertainty you can stomach. Uh, Some people are more adventurous than others. But I think that basic human psychology definitely comes into play here. And rather than scratching our heads thinking, well, how can I get this huge organization to move? It's like asking me to move a mountain. Let's start with the individuals because that is who makes up this big organization. So if we can work with the individuals and allow them to see the value of that change, and to Renwick's point, make it a comfortable experience, a safe experience, then I think that we're better off targeting that rather than trying to move the mountain.
2: It's hard to convince people not to fear change uh, because it's so trepidatious. Ah, uh, Jeannie, good to see you with your hand up. Let's go to you.
3: Well, I'd just like to piggyback off of uh, Renwick and Dr. Martha um, here because uh, in my organization, I work for a healthcare agency and literally this is what just happened. I, uh, my supervisor was placed um, in the position. She doesn't have any background of psychology. She doesn't have a bachelor's degree, but yet she was placed in a position to where she is supposed to standardize processes and in, uh, implement these changes across the whole organization as a supervisor. She's not a manager and then other managers are not recognizing her as an authority. And, um, it, it is just a mess. And so I, I've been telling her, you know, I just barely graduated with my master's. And so as I was going through it, I, you know, kind of told her, you know, you need to get the top down leadership. So if you're not getting the leaders to buy in, you have to go above their heads because they have to buy in before your subordinates are going to buy in. And so she would fight me and tell me, you know, that's not true. This isn't what she, she literally, you know, fight me on it. Long story short, I, you know, I proposed going to the leadership and trying to implement change that way. And it's a very fine line, like Dr. Martha said, because I actually placed my position in jeopardy because I made my supervisor very insecure with, um, with my knowledge, um, So it's just a very fine line to walk. And how do I promote the IO psychology front in an organization that doesn't even recognize that someone without an education, and I I don't mean to put her down at all. She just doesn't know what she's doing.
2: Uh, Well, and I sometimes wonder if there, you know, if you can change people who don't want to change, Uh, Brendan, maybe you've got an answer for us or some advice.
6: Well, I think what um what Lee led off with, in that a whole idea of partnership. And then Renwick was, you know, touching on that as well. Like, what do I get out of this? How do I, this should be fun. This should make me happy. Um, those types of concepts of, of just creating these mutually beneficial partnerships that we get to help you get this and you're going to get this out of it. And it's going to help this efficiency or, or whatever we're trying to accomplish is so important. And I think I mean, even from an individual communication basis, because I have been reaching out to a lot of the uh, Pathfinder members, how can I help you? Um, and and that's, that's the goal of, of all of this is how can I help you? Where are you going? Where do you want to go? And so many times I think I'm guilty of this. Also, when somebody comes to me with that question, I have to think about it because sometimes I don't know. But then when I ground myself and actually think about it, I go, all right, these are the places I want to be. This is where I want to go. So you've got to be doing that same thing on the organizational level. What are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish this quarter? What are you trying to accomplish by the end of the year? What's the goal by the end of next year? And, and having answers to those questions will help to form the blueprint or the map um, of where we need to go and, and who we need to help. Lee, let's go to you.
7: You know, something that uh, I just kind of thought of with this, because I I know, uh, you know, Dr. Destiny has been putting out uh, some really good stuff on LinkedIn over the past week of why you should hire an IO. And, you know, we talked here a couple weeks ago about determining your niche and stuff like that. And IO is massive. We all know that it's massive. And so I think we got to be very careful as we go forward into this brave new world that we don't paint all IOs with the same brush because... Um, if an organization or a person or what have you needs a particular skill set and they say, oh, you're an I.O., you can do this. Maybe that's not your niche. Maybe, you're, maybe you can't. Um, we got to be very careful with painting us all in the same thing, saying that you know, we can all do everything because, I mean, as we know, nobody can be all things to all people. And so, uh, and I think that that is actually a, a really good opportunity for us to partner with each other so you know, one person's great in analytics, one person's great in coaching. You know, another person's great in organizational change. You know, uh, because you know that that one consultant may be fantastic in his or her field, but you know you put them in there, uh, you know, into doing something else, and then they can fail. And then this, oh, I thought I O was the answer to everything, and look at this, you can't do this. And so we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot by doing that. So I, I think that this would be a great opportunity to collaborate with each other and to make sure that the organizations that we're dealing with understand that, yes, we have the answer. Uh, you know, back back when I was still, you know, active duty, we talked about the, you know, the chief's mess knows, you know, the chief knows everything. Well, and the, the secret is that the chief doesn't know everything, the chief's mess does. I don't know it, but I can find it because somebody does. And we got to make sure that we don't put ourselves up as, you know, I'm the, I'm the, you know, the, the Einstein of IO and I know everything. Um, and, and if you can pull it off you can go over here going, Hey, Brandon, what's the answer? You know, that you, you could probably pull that off, but of course that's probably more of a Tom thing, you know, showing the actor side of it. But um, I, I do think we got to be very careful as we tiptoe along that line that we don't oversell. Because, you know, there's that there's that point we need to come right up to that, dance right up to the edge and, you know, stick our nose over a little bit, but not get too far so that we don't uh, give false impressions of what we have and then end up doing ourselves harm.
2: Right. Uh, much better to go with that team approach and, you know, consider CBOC as a database and you just need to find the right A IO for your situation. Um, Amanda, let's go to you.
9: Hi, so that is uh, he's Lee is just echoing kind of the post I ended up making in the chat related to finding your niche in your area of alignment. Um, I practice in LD. That is where my heart is truly at. And I find that I can contribute more. I feel more meaning and more satisfaction in where I am practicing, where I feel where I'm an expert at, versus if I am pulled into something where it's like, okay, yes, I have got an industrial background. Um and I do program evaluation. I can do program evaluation in my sleep. It's probably what got me my job uh, because anybody that wants to deal with stats normally backs off and goes, nope, not me. Um, but, um, yeah, I can do it. But it, that industrial side is not my area that really makes me feel good. It's more of the organizational element. And I work with another colleague who works more on the psychometrics, and he is fantastic at the psychometrics the how fast he can spit that stuff out it it would take me maybe three times as long so and and i understand that there are ios that love being generalists because they thrive and they flourish when they have that constant variety and being able to continually expand their uh, skill repertoire that's awesome we need those folks however not all of us want to play to that kind of um drum um So I really do think that if we're going to be looking at wanting to really find where can we contribute, maybe consider was there another area that before you decided IO that you wanted to go into, maybe that's an industry area that you can start pushing forward for there to be more more organizational application. So for instance, if I didn't go IO, I would have gone physics and gone to NASA. So if I wanted to find some way to mesh the two together, it's like, okay, let's see what are some local areas that have got... Um, A similar focus as NASA and start marketing yourself towards them and saying, hey, I can do this sort of work and I specialize with those that work within this sort of area because scientists, especially STEM scientists, are a very unique breed of scientists. I deal with engineers on a daily basis, so um, they're not... Uh, STEM-based scientists, but they're still STEM. It's a very, because once you can start learning a particular industry's language and the people that are drawn to it and how they speak, and if you can translate IO to their language, it, it just it makes you a much more hot commodity for that given sector.
2: Amanda, let me ask you, what does it feel like when you can recommend a colleague who you know is going to satisfy the need of, yes. of a client?
9: Great. Um, I, and I guess a part of that also goes to, um, do we have a scarcity or an abundance mindset? Um, because to put it simply, a lot of folks that I've seen, and not just in IO, um, this is applicable to all highly educated folks, um, the desire to want to be seen significant. Just because you're recommending someone else does not diminish your own light.
2: Yeah, agree totally. Uh, and I'm going to recommend Linda Ann. Let's go to you.
9: Just to um,
4: build on on Lee and Amanda, one of the things that I think is a really important skill is to be able to um, find and use information and implement it appropriately. So when we're talking about people who and and be a real facilitator of that rather than trying to have all the answers right and and if you can position yourself to be someone who knows how to get the right person for the right task and and have it be an excellent experience and an excellent result that's far better than being you know trying to figure it all out yourself and trying to be the the end all be all in in information so i think if we facilitate using each other's strengths, then that really builds the, the, um, the practice of, of industrial or, and organizational psychologists to be able to use all your different specialties. And that's a real tool and art in this particular industry versus, you know, if, if you're an engineer, you're an engineer and you're an engineer, which is not true. But yeah.
2: Yeah, I like that a lot. Jeannie, let's go back to you.
3: Sorry, no, I uh, just wanted to expound also, I mean, this is exactly the, uh, some of the things I've been saying on Dr. Preet's um, posts is the subcategories, like I wouldn't go to a neurologist for a podiatry problem, it's just the same concept, it's, you know, I specialize in this area, but you know, if you're having this issue, I know someone, I'm in the resource of Uh, thousands of IOs, I can find someone who can help you. It's really knowing your resources and utilizing them.
2: Yeah, and I think we've got to sort of expand on that, you know, as you're saying. Um, Dr. Jeremy, I'd like to come back to you because I want to kind of flip the question a little bit when it comes to game changers. Are there skills that IOs need that weren't taught in university? You know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, doesn't matter how good the program is, there's always going to be some things you're not going to learn until you get out into the real world. So especially for those IOs who may just be transitioning into practice, really for those IOs who are still studying, but even for you know IOs who are working out in the field right now, are there no, some skills that maybe you're going to need to pick up to really embrace the changes that we're seeing?
1: the programs, the, the academic programs teach people to work academically and teach people to write academically. And there's very little, unless you're taking a special consulting class, you're getting a special consulting certificate. Uh, you're you're not going to learn anything about, you know, consultant or, or inside the workplace. You're going to learn about theory. You're going to learn how to do, you're going to learn statistics. The thing that, you're going to learn, you know, you're going to learn case studies. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn what to do in these situations. The thing you're not going to learn is how to, how to sell, which we are doing every day. If you go on a date, you're selling yourself, right? If you go, if you, if you have a, if you have to call your cable provider, you're selling your problem and you're selling your intended solution because that's what you want. We're selling every single day, all the time. The the selling part, is important, and I don't. I don't want people to think of this in terms of sa- sales. I want people to think about this in terms of value add. What's in it for the other person? Organizational politics is not taught. Organizational politics is one of the biggest, de- you know, derailers of <laughs> a lot of things, right? And we've got the red tape. We've got the emotions. We've got the so. There's a lot, I see, this is interesting because I see Destiny put her camera on. So I think she's going to have something to say here, which I'm excited to hear. So I'm a little distracted. What all? What's not taught is basically dealing with multiple stakeholders in an organization. I think it would be beneficial for IOs to learn more of the really of the business side of things. And I think that would be helpful. Yes, that comes from experience. Yes, that comes from internships. And shameless plug, that's one of the main reasons CBAC exists, to help people with these types of things. didn't get that in their graduate program and are now, they're getting out, where's my job, having a tough time either working with an organization or communicating to a, a potential client or a potential employer, hey, I'm the one you should choose. So I think a lot of it is really navigating the ins and outs of business and understanding business executive decision and really what it's like yes we have good intents yes we can do amazing things our communication though seems like it's all like it like it can be a little too pollyanna for organizations and for decision makers the word psychologist has been a huge derailer for such a long time however i think The word psychologist will be a huge point of leverage moving forward once we get over this hump. So I'll leave it for now at learning the business aspect, learning what it's like to work in organizations. And as the great Trip Braden, Tom, you remember this, we had an entire event where he said IOs should really focus on getting jobs in operations into the nitty gritty of organization. Don't worry about the IO part yet. Just go and work for a company for three to five years in operations, learn the ins and outs of business, learn the politics, then worry about, you know, because you'll be much better poised. You'll be much better at will. Tom, back to you. Let me have a little bit of a follow-up here because. All right, back to me. (laughs)
2: Is it, is it wrong? If I assume because people are coming out with IO degrees that they've got great Soft or people skills, or is or am I totally wrong in that? That there's no training <laughs> in the programs on, you know, communication or you know those those soft or people skills that you really do need in industry.
1: Uh, not that I re- I don't recall those. It, it's it's not like a. It, it's far from any kind of degree in counseling. So with a degree in in, in counseling, you learn all of that. You learn everything from you know dis- the, how much disclosure. You even learn how attractiveness fits in with your the with the therapy in terms of uh, how well you're going to match with the client. Like that's a those are things that you actually learn. So you learn everything about what's going to happen. You know the communication aspect and the interaction and the dynamic. I will say, for a field of lots of very smart people with very good intentions who are interested in things like data and analytics who are interested in things like research, who are able to strategize, who are able to take organizations to a place better than where they're headed. For that, you would expect us to be uninteresting, nose in the books, unable to communicate. (laughs) And that's not us. Just look at us here. But again, that's a stigma. That's a stereotype. That is a representative heuristic. Well, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. You're you're not
2: boring, right?
5: (laughs) What what are you talking about? Not interesting. We're as interesting as it gets people. Embrace it. Love it. Seriously. Um, you know, I think this isn't limited to IOs. A lot of people coming out of school with a, a lot of types of degrees are not prepared for the real world. Um, we have concepts and theories and things that we learned that were necessary to say that we specialize in something. But when it comes to real world, that's lacking. And especially if you want to be a consultant where essentially you're proposing becoming an entrepreneur, You need to know how to run a business. You need to know how to market. You need to know how to sell, especially uh, during your beginnings, your humble beginnings as a party of one. So it would be in uh, many people's interest to perhaps take some business or marketing classes. I can tell you from my own experience that I'm very glad to have an MBA under my belt in addition to having... Uh, a PhD in IO psychology because not only does that position me favorably if I want to do my own thing, but I can also relate with the organizations, the business leaders, the managers, because I understand how business works, so I can speak that language to them. But you don't necessarily have to have an MBA under your belt. You can take some classes. And I think um, any previous experience or previous education, such as what is your bachelor's degree in? If you have a degree beyond your bachelor's, what was your bachelor's degree in? Maybe it was in the same thing. Maybe it was in something else that you can draw from, that you can Um, use to your advantage. So it's time to get creative. I think we have relied on universities for so long to provide us with everything because they know best, they have the path, they have the program, and we trust in it. And that's okay, to a certain degree but we have to take responsibility. What do I want to do with this degree when I finish school? And what else do I need to be successful doing that thing I want to do? If it means working for another company, that's one thing. But if you're proposing becoming an entrepreneur, you better have some interests in uh, business and marketing and, and take some classes in that, or do some internships that really let you get in on what, what is happening, what it takes to run and sustain a business rather than just doing filing, right? That's just um, busy work. So I think it's not just IO psychologists. A lot of people come out of uh, schools with degrees, whether it's bachelor's or anything higher than that, and they need to be trained by their employer because they they don't really know how the real deal works.
2: Do you Do you see any change in post-secondary? I know that when I was teaching young actors, trying to explain to them that they're now entrepreneurs was difficult because they saw themselves as artists as being very sort of pure, but business was, you know, dirty. (laughs) Are you seeing the same thing with, with, you know, some of those young IOs or or any young student that's coming out of university?
5: Well, you can be pure and hungry and homeless. (laughs) Sure can. Or you can get real <laughs> and learn how to survive. So I think this is, um, this is common for so many of us when we're young and full of ideals. And I was going to save the world one time too, but then reality beat the crap out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I realized that I'm going to need to pay some bills first. So, you know, I, I think this is, this is so common, so normal for, for everybody coming up. But um, I heard a statistic yesterday and I, I, I didn't check it out to, to have the backing for it, but I heard that um, university um, attendance or applications for universities have been on the decline. And I think that may be an indicator that um, promise of a degree is not what it used to be. And I think that there's a certain realization of what I'm speaking about, that, yes, you get a degree, but you don't stop learning just because you have that diploma. You can't stop learning. There's so much more. You still need to learn whether you're going to be an entrepreneur, a business owner, or work for someone else. And I think, you know, there's so much misunderstanding, especially when you're young and innocent and don't know any better, simply because you just don't know. People think, well, if I'm going to be a business owner, somehow magically, I'll just sit at the top directing and money will pour in. And that's not how it is. You have to. Um, do a lot of sacrificing and work harder than you've ever worked in your life before you can get to a comfortable position. So there's so much that needs to be learned and experienced beyond just the formal education, uh, both for IOs and everybody else out there, that I think it's important to pay attention to it because I think that a uh, uh, good number of people are realizing that. And maybe that's why attendance at universities has been on the decline.
2: Yeah, I think you, you're on to something there. Uh, unfortunately, Jeremy, we are out of time. <laughs> we could continue this discussion,
1: I'm sure for another hour. Uh, but what are we going to talk about next week? Next week, we're going to talk about selecting and energizing. And if you haven't gone to cbock.com slash events, you haven't seen the super cool picture of the this event. So if if that's a pull, it's a super cool, and <laughs> and come to the event. All right.
2: And with that, we'll call it a wrap. Jeremy, if you want to count us out, we'll see everyone next week.
1: Thanks. Great job, everyone. See you night off in five, four, three, two.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community. Gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at CBot.com.